Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast, which is always presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Just use the promo code PODCAST1 for the 50% welcome bonus. He is Matt Waldman, the man who oversees everything at the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, Matt Waldman. RSP.com. You can also check him out on Twitter at Matt Waldman is how you can check Matt out. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Hopefully you guys are already following me there. We love when you rate and review the show. That is huge for us. And we've got a huge day here on the College Draft Podcast. Ohio State, Michigan which is noon on Fox, Alabama-Auburn, 3.30 p.m. on CBS, Oklahoma-Oklahoma State, huge, huge rivalry day in college football, and we've got the guy, Matt Waldman, to break down the top prospects in each. But first, a word from Martellus Bennett, a professor at the Dos Equis College Football Football College. Hey, college football fans, Martellus Bennett here. Do you want to win every football argument this season? Dominate every debate? Become a pigskin prodigy? Then enroll in a Dos Equis College Football Football College, where you'll learn from football insiders like me, Jay Cutler, Katie Nolan, and Arthur John Bacon, the man who wrote the book on college football. So be the first in your family to earn a football watching certificate from a beer school. Enroll in Dos Equis College Football Football College at dosequis.com backslash edu. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Copyright 2019 Dos Equis Beer Brands. Official beer sponsor of the college football playoff. Finally, there is a football beer school for me. Thanks, Martellus. Matt, we will start with Ohio State, Michigan. Noon on Fox, and we'll start with cornerback Lavert Hill. Yeah, 184 pounds. I mean, there's going to be some questions about this guy's ability to be physical enough in the NFL. 
And it probably doesn't help him that he hasn't played physically or confrontational in the run game, uh, you know, throughout the course of his career. Um, for instance, you know, when he's in a situation to head downhill against ball carriers in the flats, he, he hasn't always pulled the trigger to really attack first wrap up. Um, and he needs to improve that by keeping his head up. But um, so, you know, watching for him when he's taking on bigger guys is probably going to be um, key. Um, but when it comes to co- coverage, listen, he projects well as a nickel corner. He, he's um, very coverage oriented in terms of, he, you know, he's someone who's got has quick, precise feet, helps him stay patient through a receiver's stem. He, he has that quickness that extends into his acceleration. He can flip his hips and drive after the break. He's really good at driving through to the ball. He can stay on the hip of the receiver in the vertical game, and he uses his hands really well. A lot of guys that I talk about on here who use their hands pretty well tend to cross that line to the point where they get too grabby um, when they're working with a, a, a receiver downhill. Um, but he's pretty good at um, knowing how, what, how and when to use his hands. Um, and really the only question point I think for him is his size and his physicality. And, and if, if he can really get sharp with his technique, I think that he can stave off some of those questions, but it's a matter of, you know, watching this year's tape and how he performs in workouts too. Um, the next guy we're going to talk about is Michigan right guard, Michael Onwenu. Yeah. I mean, this is a, it's a big old dude in terms of 350 pounds. He even weighed up to 375, 380 pounds at points during his career um, at 6'3". And at that that size, you'd think him to be pretty much a lumbering road grader. But he he's someone that really has pretty good lateral movement for a guy his size, very fluid. Um, and of course, when he gets his hands on you, you know, he's going to he's going to move you where he wants to. Um, when asked to pass protect, he can anchor pretty easily. Um, and he can set, you know, he can set with real power. He's someone that, you know, as someone that you'd expect for someone, his dimensions, he has good leverage. He earns good leverage pretty well. Um, but you wonder about his arm length overall. Um, he can often lose the, the reach battle against his opponents. And it means he's not going to stay engaged with that defender or earn that engagement as easily um, against some of the top guys in college football and his flexibility and power though, they do make up for it. Um, and it's probably going to be the key for him at the line of scrimmage in terms of uh, handling, uh, you know, more superior NFL caliber opponents. Um, so we're going to, you know, the big key for him is lack of length as well as his weight, um, and making sure that he's physically committed to the game. If he can remit, continue to work on remaking his body. I would bet teams would like to see him at a much lighter weight than even 350. Um, Against Florida last year, he was 389. So he's an interesting guy to watch because he is nimble, because he has a lot of decent skills in terms of, you know, technically, um, but that arm, the arm length and weight, I mean, when when it comes to certain positions, you know, that type of thing has to be there at least at a minimum level, and and there are going to be questions about that. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, that's like, there. there's no reason to be that heavy. Like there's, there's never any, you're not gaining enough for what you're losing to when you're that heavy, if that makes sense. Like whatever you're gaining in yeah. terms of power or mass, you're losing it in terms of mobility and agility. What about the left tackle for Ohio state? I actually saw Penn State was able to beat him a couple times. Etor Gross Matos. Tell me about Thayer Munford. 
Yeah, I mean, and this is an example of a guy who's reshaped his body. He's a 6'6 junior at around 3'10", and, and a lot of the praise that he's earned is for the commitment that he's made to, you know, becoming the caliber of athlete that you would expect from a left tackle. Um, he arrived more as a guard, and that may be where he projects in the NFL, but he's played left tackle at least well enough that teams are talking about that NFL consideration at least early in the season. I'm sure when they look at the – toward gross Matos tape that they'll have they'll have you know more answers as well as additional questions about how he'll handle that you know thus far from what i've seen is he can handle the speed rush reasonably well and has long enough arms to play at that level he's improved his kick step but i don't think it's at a level where you look at him as a top tackle and that may be where you know speed rush can can get the best of him at times from you know top prospects his real strength is in the run game. I mean, this is a guy who can get into defenders and move them. He's difficult for opponents to work around. Um, and so teams are going to look at whether he's a guard or whether he's a tackle. He missed a game last year with an ankle injury, but overall he's been uh, you know, pretty steady and reliable in terms of you know, staying in shape, being healthy, and continuing to work on his game and improve it to a point that he's earning consideration. Alabama-Auburn is 3.30 p.m. on CBS, and I love your obsession with the offensive linemen, with the big boys, Matt. Fantastic. Let's keep it going with the left tackle for Auburn, Prince Tego Wanago. Yeah, I mean, I may love the skill players, but we know where the action's really at. So, listen, <laughs> I mean, the this guy is a fluid athlete. He's quick. He plays with, you know, really good physical and mental stamina, and he has the physical length for his position to play at the next level. Um, and because he's fluid and quick, he gets downfield pretty well. He attacks at the second and even the third level, and he can he can really engulf an opponent in the run game. He's he's a high effort play to the whistle competitor. Um, he can also take a punch from a power rush, and he can deliver some pop when he attacks. He's because of that fluidity again in his hips, I think there's room for him to improve his power both physically and and also from a technique standpoint. So there's a there's a really nice foundation physically in place for this guy to become a good tackle in the NFL. But he's still a project right now, and a lot of it's due to his technique. He has to learn how to focus his hands, frame them in a way that he's in a tighter area when he lands into a defender's frame. Um, he's going to play. He plays too often from his heels, so he's going to lose balance too often against contact in the passing game because he's he's also not setting well or squaring up his opponents. And you can tell that at times that he needs more knowledge of how to gain leverage, the way that you know some other guys that we're going to talk about today um, do. And and so you know he has to get more experience with that. And he plays slower than his athletic ability because of that need for technical refinement. This is common with pretty much any football player, regardless of position, that if you see a guy who who looks fluid, who looks fast, but they play slow, usually it's because they're overthinking and the techniques that they need to learn, they're, they're not at the level of the speed of instinct that they can just go from one to the other and transition well and recognize things at the level that they need to. Um, but I think a team's gonna take a chance on the idea that he can learn fast enough to see the field within say six months to a year, but he's going to have to learn faster. I think he's, you know, what he's going to try to do, what he does on the field right now is going to lead to some sacks and then the types of penalties that, you know, that obviously hold teams back, but the, the physical promise at six, seven, three Oh five and fluid skills and strength. Um, it's going to be appealing to a lot of teams. 
What about the running back for Auburn, Jartavius Whitlow? Yeah, he's um, you know, he's also one of those guys that uh, we see a lot who are you know well built, fast, good acceleration. Um, you know, he's someone that can that plays. I would say he plays a very good unrefined game of football for a runner right now. And and with running backs, you can teach enough things that, you know, a guy like Kenyon Drake, I thought was a really unrefined football player um, who, you know, he could catch, he could run fast, he could make moves, um, but he had to learn how to run between the tackles better. He had to learn how to finish better. Um, you know, he had to learn how to maintain ball security better. These are all things that Whitlow has to learn. Um, you know, he's someone that he's given up the ball one per 58 and basically a little under one per 59 touches, which really needs improvement because if you've had five fumbles in less than 300 touches um, and you're not maintaining good ball security physically from that standpoint, you know, he, he's often, I've often seen him forced to fight the football um, rather than to fight through contact, you, you know, and, and, and when that's going on, you know, that's something that has to improve because he's going to be dealing with, you know, 11 guys coming at him who were all the best guys on, on, in, on each college team that he's ever faced at punching the ball, finding the ball and ripping it out. Um, but he is someone that if you get him into the open field, he can make sharp plants, drive downhill. He's going to make safeties and cornerbacks look safety, um, look silly when they come down the alley. Um, and he has some skill for timing gap blocks. I mean, if you put him in a gap scheme right now in the NFL, he's going to have the potential to do some good work for you. But overall, as a decision maker in most run schemes, he, he needs to learn you know, really what his key points are, who he needs to read, how he needs to time up his steps. Because right now he's used a lot as a draw runner who can basically look for an open lane without setting up blocks as precisely as you need in other types of you know, run blocking plays. Um, he has some skill with finding cutbacks, but he's kind of like a big fish in a small pond and that he doesn't always recognize the term, how to really determine those opportunities against teams where the defenders have similar or greater athletic talent than he does. Um, but, you know, for, for him, I think of him as kind of like carry on Johnson, you know, his fellow alumnus, but without the conceptual and technical skills, that are refined to that intuitive level you need to compete in the NFL. But a team, again, will look at him as a raw piece of athletic material who they hope can, you know, within a year or two can mold him into a, a real contributor. And physically, it's there for him. I'm really curious to hear what you say about the next guy, and that's Alabama defensive end Raquan Davis. You know, two years ago, Matt, he was so good in the college football playoffs, and in particularly in the national championship game. I mean, he was unbelievable. And I thought, oh, man, that guy's going to be a stud next year and go pro for sure. And then he wasn't quite as good last year for whatever reason and didn't leave score early. And I was surprised because based on the national championship game, I thought he would be like a top 10 pick last year. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's probably one of the more intriguing players of this particular draft class because of that. I mean, you know, it's six, seven, somewhere in that 305 to 315 pound range. He's got great arm length. He's fluid. He's quick. He's strong. And he's strong enough with his reach that, you know, he can bring down a ball carrier within a gap of his position, whether they're working towards him or whether he's pursuing them on his own. And he's played inside or outside, you know, he's, 
Is he a defensive end in a three, four? Is he an inside player in more of a, a four, four lineman type of look? I think that there are going to be people who have preferences for him for different reasons. I personally think he's better inside, um, but I could see how a team could move him around a bit situationally to get the most out of him as an outside guy, because, you know, on the outside, he's someone that he's fluid, even though I don't think he, he has a great ability to bend. He's someone that has some really nice moves. I mean, he has the push pull move. That's pretty good. He has a rip and a club that serve him well. And he has that initial burst and in power to get upfield that you could see in some situations where he might really be useful on certain types of stunts or different types of tactics to use him on the outside. Um, but I think of him more as a, as a potentially a great penetrator through gaps, a guy who can play well in traffic, who can, you know, oftentimes show the anchor that you need to set up shop where, you know, I kind of say, say he has a ragdoll shop that he sells. He sells those basically made out of offensive linemen because when he really gets anchored, he throws those guys around and he can lock out his arms, but he doesn't do it as often as you'd like. And so, you know, to me, what I want to see a little bit more of is, you know, is there some technique flaw that can be fixed with his game when it, in terms of him being more consistent with anchoring? You know, is it going to be an issue projecting someone with that height that he's going to have some issues with people getting into him and under him and showing his chest and just get moved around a little bit more. If guys figured him out a little bit more and that's the problem, or is it more something on him that he can fix and that light switch go on and stay on? Let's move on to Oklahoma, Oklahoma state. It's 8 PM on Fox on Saturday night. And uh, their center, Creed Humphrey, it's crazy. They had four offensive linemen drafted in the first three rounds last year. And a lot of people were telling me that Creed Humphrey might be the best of the bunch, their center. Yeah, and and for good reason. I mean, we talked about, you know, the Auburn player and his lack of leverage. Well, Creed Humphrey has understands leverage, you know. And so this is a well-sized guy at 6'5", 315. He has a really strong feel for tight quarters play, which, of course, you need as a center. Um, But his hand usage and knowledge of leverage points really help him out um, because he he also has shorter arms. But for a center, that's not as important. Um, It just means that, you know, for a guy with shorter arms, your timing, your placement, your plan of attack, you always need to be a step ahead. Um, You always need to have a plan and and the technical skill to execute it. And at this level, at least, um, and he's often doing it against NFL caliber opponents, he's doing that pretty well. Um, he, he also has some skill at being able to counterattack so that if the, the, you know, if an opponent gets a step or two on him in the pocket, he seems to figure out ways to, to, to turn that to his advantage, which the question will be, will he lose big against top opponents who, when he can't counter like that against certain guys. And I would expect that the answer will be yes at times, especially early on, but I still see him being able to anchor well, even later in interactions with the um, defenders Um, as a run blocker. Listen, you know, he has the footwork, he can bend. He has that fluid athletic skill to reach block combo block linebackers. His lateral range is pretty good for if you're projecting for the NFL and he's just a smart, physical, technically sound, smooth center who I think is one of the best prospects on the board at that position. He may not be in that Wisconsin kids tier necessarily, be it as 
Um, but he's good, and he's someone that a team's going to be happy to pick. Some of the other guys to take a look at in this game, including Oklahoma running back Kennedy Brooks. Yeah, and, you know, I just a, a quick preface is that I, you know, I don't evaluate off-field stuff. So, you know, in terms of some of the off-field things that he has going on, um, that's not something that I look into. That's more of an, an area that NFL teams have the resources and, and have the time and the, and the connections to, to look into at a level where they should be making, you know, they're going to make those types of decisions strictly on the field. Listen, he's a promising pass protector. He can work the middle to the edge very smoothly. He helps out tackles well. I think he has good judgment with when he can reach an assignment, whether to square and punch or whether to drop the pads and deliver the forearm shiver or the shoulder and then try and recover and hopefully be able to get his hands on a guy and move with a little bit more technically sound skill. He's also a good run blocker, and he, but um, I like how he anchors against A-gap blitzes. Even if he catches that first contact and he's pushed, um, I think that he does a pretty good job of being able to set his feet in a manner where that he can hold that off. But I don't know if he's big and strong enough to do that against NFL linebackers on a consistent basis. So we'll have to continue to work on that. He's a good check down receiver, soft hands, tracks the ball well. His ball security is great. He's had one fumble and 218 touches, and he physically locks that ball up the way that you want to see. He's a patient runner. Right? He has you know good footwork, good change of direction with sudden stops, good pressure cuts and dips. Um, I think what I like most about Brooks is abilities to avoid. He avoids good defender angles with the opening of his hips and one step moves. So he's very economical with his movement and he can do this in succession with defenders coming at him, which makes him just really good when defenders penetrate into the backfield and finding solutions where he can get yardage. He has a good stiff arm. And I think a lot of it has to do with it, with his placement, his um, ability to find the leverage point and his reach and he has also skill to kind of displace his feet. So when the defender's coming in hot, he, you know, and he doesn't, he's not able to maintain that reach and it bends his arm back, his ability to kind of lean and move his feet backward in a way where he can regain that leverage and, and kind of anchor against that defender and then can run through him um, or around him. Um, to me, you know, he's a hot player in college football, but I think overall, I see him more as a reliable third down back to the NFL. And I think he has passable power and balance, but I'm not sure if it's going to elevate him to the level where I'd say he's a, you know, a long-term starter. When I think of him, I see a guy like Bilal Powell, who was a very good back for the New York Jets for a long time um, and give you starter production when needed, but he may not be the guy that you're looking to, to be your starter on opening day. And I think that that's kind of the range of where I see Kennedy Brooks right now. What about on the other side, Matt, uh, the running back for Oklahoma State who's had a ridiculous season running back? Is it Chuba or Chuba Hubbard? It's Chuba. I've been corrected a number of times on that one because I think the same thing. Um, but Chuba Hubbard, man, listen, I mean, a great college producer right now. Sudden, you know, those sharp cuts, really quick change of direction. And when he transitions from sideline to sideline to a downhill running um, position, you know, he can do it with by opening his hips um, or to bounce outside or get downhill and do it very quickly. He's what I call a momentum-based runner in terms of between the tackles. He's a guy that if you let him get downhill and beat up, you know, build up speed, 
he can bounce off some hits in the secondary. He's going to pull some through some reaches and wraps by, you know, linemen and linebackers and maybe even get a push on a lineman because of that acceleration and enough size and pad level to, to, to work through some of that contact. But he's not a pile pushing guy. What you, you want to use this guy for is to hit a crease hard and fast on a gap play or a draw play and get him into the open field. Um, you know, we talked about Kenyon Drake earlier, much like Kenyon Drake, he's a draw runner who may need a little bit of time to develop into a competent runner between the tackles. I mean, I think he can do so because of, you know, the footwork and the physicality and the willingness to, to attack a crease. But he's one of those guys that tries too hard to find the perfect opening. And while it doesn't exacerbate the situation as much in the big 12 in the NFL, that becomes more of a problem. So, um, you know, he's his pass protection and ball security also need a lot of work. Pretty sloppy there. I think it could stall his career development in the NFL if he doesn't address it and really work on it um, to the point that he's at least competent at it in the NFL entering a camp. Um, and he's going to have to refine his approach on cut blocks. It doesn't look like he looks at what he's trying to hit, so he usually doesn't hit anything. And, you know, it sounds harsh, but, you know, patty cake's good with children, but you don't work when – it doesn't really work when you should be taking the attack on coming defenders in the stand-up game. And that's something that he really needs to use his hands, learn how to uppercut. And when he does it on occasion, he wins against linebackers. So I think the potentials there, the the effort and consistency need to get better. He's an NFL athlete and a productive college runner. And I think people find him extremely exciting. And I get all that. Um, I just think that, he has too many things that are going to rear his head to get his career off the ground immediately at a level where he's going to perform like this or perform remotely like this in the NFL, but the potential's there for him to get better. Excellent work, Matt. You picked the three biggest games. I'm fired up for those games. I love rivalry Saturday in college football. Absolutely awesome programming note. I will be calling the army at Hawaii football game. 12, 30 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday morning, 7.30 a.m. Hawaiian Time. The last regular season, the the last game of the regular season in college football. And if you care to, you can go to betonline.ag, use promo code PODCAST1, 50% welcome bonus, and you can Make a wager on that game or any others. Again, betonline.ag, promo code PODCAST1. You get the 50% welcome bonus. And I am going to tweet today because evidently I was one of the winners last week. Reply to that tweet with your betonline.ag number. And guess what? You will get a chance to go ahead and win. You'll get a chance to get $100 put into your account. So, do it. Other than that, definitely check out the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Power Rankings today. And it is a fantasy feast Tuesday. No more bye weeks. Get your lineup set. Thank you. Thanks to Joe Dolan, number one ranked fantasy dude. Other than that, I am totally stuffed and the keg is kicked. We're all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.